morning, Faith Family. It's good to see all of you here. Grab your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. While you're turning there, I want to tell you a Spanish phrase I've been thinking about. It was on my mind. Estoy agradecido. Uh, let's see. Por, por la verdad de la palabra de Dios. And so I'm thankful for the truth of God's word. As I think about Romans 4, and I think about, man, just the, the challenging texts that we've walked through that have all been super profitable, beneficial uh, for us, I'm reminded that all of God's word is that uh, way for us, that we, we are grateful for the truth of God's word. We're grateful for the reality of his word. And we can know today that even as we journey through some of the more challenging passages that uh, man, God's going to use this. God uses it deeply um, in our lives. And so that's my prayer for you and for me um, today. Grateful for our worship team. Grateful for the baptism that we experienced uh, in the previous service. Uh, I did want you to know our state convention uh, today, they're, they're doing an initiative throughout the state called Fill the Tank. And so there are many churches uh, all throughout the state that are baptizing today and we celebrate and we rejoice in that uh, we didn't necessarily take part on today being that day where we do kind of a mass baptism because uh, we have two a year that we really focus on we have one called baptism on the lawn that's coming up and then we also do one in the fall uh, at Jordan Lake uh, but man we we baptize anytime that we possibly can and so the last several weeks we've had uh, baptisms we'll have a big one coming up soon and you'll hear more about that but I did want to take a moment to pray for the churches throughout our state who are really focusing today on baptizing new believers and uh, just celebrating that as a, as a faith family. I've heard many stories along the way of churches that haven't baptized in years that took part in initiatives like today's initiative, and it really got their people uh, months in advance, you know, just awakened to the reality of sharing the gospel with their community, and they're, they're stirring the baptismal waters for the first time in, in years. So just, just grateful for that. I'd love for us to open in prayer, uh, just praying for our, our sister churches throughout the state who are uh, baptizing uh, specifically on, on today. All right, so let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for, uh, Lord, your, your power to save. God, we thank you for the picture of baptism. Um, Lord, this picture that you've given of, of death to life. And uh, God, we pray for the many churches throughout our state who are participating in uh, Fill the Tank Sunday. And um, God, we ask that you just bless their, their efforts, God, that there are many who are encouraged and stirred um, because of the work that you're doing um, on today as, as baptisms are taking place. And so just be uh, with the pastor, be with the leadership of these, these churches as they uh, walk their people through this time. And as we look forward to baptism on the lawn and as we celebrate the baptism we had earlier today, um, God, we just ask that you'll continue to give us opportunities to share the gospel with our community, that many may come to know you and place their trust and faith in you. And we pray this in the powerful name of King Jesus and all God's people said, amen and amen. So today we want to lean into Romans with the hope of further understanding how we are declared righteous. And so Paul has spent a lot of time unpacking this argument of, man, we're not saved by good deeds. We're not saved by ceremonial right. And today he's talking about us not being saved by works of the law. And so we want to talk about what it means to be declared righteous in Christ. And we also want to be reminded today of how great our God truly is. And so it's kind of a twofold goal is, man, let's understand further what it means to be declared righteous in Christ uh, by grace through faith in him alone. 
And then let's also talk about how great our God is. Let's, let's start with a catechism. I think that aligns our heart well as we consider what faith in Christ is. So I'm going to ask a question. It's going to be on the screen. And then with the answer, we're all, we're all going to say the answer together uh, that's on the screen as well. Does that sound good? All right, cool. Here we go. Here's the question. What is faith in Jesus Christ? Here's the answer. One, two, three, go. Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he has offered to us in the gospel. Awesome job. Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Hey, if you're willing and able, please stand in honor of reading the word of God. I'm not quite comfortable standing yet, so I'm not trying to ask you to do something I'm unwilling to do, uh, but I think it's good for us to, to stand. So here we go. Romans 4, starting in verse 13. If you're there, we say amen. All right, here we go. For the promise to Abraham has his offspring and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Verse 14, for if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. 15, for the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, that's speaking to the, the Jewish believers, but also to the one who shares faith in Abraham. So he continues this argument of whether you're Jew or Gentile, um, you are able to be joint heirs with Jesus by your faith in him. And then it talks about you share the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. In the beginning of verse 17 says, as it is written, I've made you the father of many nations. It's referring to the promise, the, the Abrahamic covenant, the promise, promise that was given to Abraham uh, back in Genesis. So we know about father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had father Abraham, and I'm one of them. So are you. So that's just, you know the song, right? Uh, right arm. Anyway, we could go on. I thought it'd be a lot of fun with this boot to do the left, you know, foot. Um, but he talks about being Father Abraham, referencing that promise in Genesis. And then it says, in the presence, I love this, the latter part of verse 17, I've made, um, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence do not exist. May God bless the reading and the proclamation of his word today. Uh, you may be seated. As we consider this text, let's just talk about a few things that we want to cover holistically, just looking at the text in like one chunk together. Uh, a couple of things I want to see. First of all, contrary to some of the most common misunderstandings of God's expectations for us, we cannot be declared righteous through obedience to the law. And so we want to catch this truth time and time again. We cannot be made righteous through obedience to the law, even though so many people want that to be true. They want it to be true that, man, if I could just live good enough, man, uh, I, can, I can somehow earn my, my righteousness before the Lord. But we want to just lean into what Paul is developing here and saying that no way, there's no way that we can be declared righteous through obedience to the law. Even if we were able to obey perfectly from this day forward, for the rest of our life, which, by the way, that will not happen. But even if we could do that, 
future righteousness does not erase past sin. And the Bible says it only takes one sin to separate us from God. And so we need to be reconciled. We need to be redeemed. We need to be restored. So we cannot do enough things in order to bring that reconciliation about by works of the law. What do we need? We need the grace of God because we cannot earn the title of righteousness through our own merits. The question you may have is a question that I've had, then why the law? If we can't earn our righteousness by doing the works of the law or keeping the works of the law, then why do we need the law at all? Well, according to Romans 7 and really several other passages throughout Romans and throughout the Bible, the law shows us our disobedience. It is a revealer that makes our disobedience to God obvious. So the law is this mirror that shows us our disobedience before the God, it become, before God, it becomes very obvious to us that we are law breakers. That's what the law does. It reveals that we're law breakers. And I don't know if you were kind of this knothead, unruly youngin' like I was growing up. Praise the Lord, I've grown out of it, and I hope you believe me. But uh, man, I, I looked for opportunity to do things I shouldn't do. Let me give you a case in point. If there's a sign that says wet concrete, I wouldn't mess with that concrete before seeing that sign. But seeing the sign, I felt like that was a license to say, great opportunity for a handprint, great opportunity for initials, right? Great opportunity to like put whatever design I want in that concrete. Same with wet paint, uh, same with hot stove, right? Like the, the law of saying, don't do this, awakened in me that desire that was already there uh, it just awakened it and revealed it that, man, like, I'm going to do wrong. A good example uh, of that is if your mama has a cookie dish in your house and you don't even pay any attention to that cookie jar, but she says one day, hey, in that jar there's cookies. Uh, beforehand, you would have paid no mind to it, but now that your mama said it, you're going to walk past that cookie jar and you're going to be like, I wonder if my mama was telling the truth. And you open the lid and you look in, you're like, oh, yeah, she's telling the truth. There's cookies in there. You shut the lid. You make another pass by, and you're like, I wonder what those cookies smell like. So you open the lid, and you smell. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, fresh baked, chocolate chip, cookies, awesome. Uh, you put the lid on. You make another pass by, and you're like, huh, I wonder if my mama will know if I eat just one of these cookies, right? So what that law, your mom's law, did to you is it awakened this desire to do that that which was already kind of inside of you and that's what the law does for us it shows us that we are disobedient to God and it reveals our own sinfulness I also want us to know that we don't necessarily need to be uh, outlined this entire list of what the law is in order for natural humankind to understand the law and here's what I mean by this there is a universal moral or natural law uh, which I would say if there's a universal moral law then there has to be a universal moral law giver think about those in this world who know not Christ they've never cracked open the Bible they've not placed their faith and trust in Jesus how is it that you can ask them hey do you believe lying is wrong and their response be yes or do you believe you know stealing is wrong and their response be yes or do you believe murder to be wrong and their response be yes how is that how is that so how 
how, how is that the reality? How can they respond in that way if they've never read the Bible, if they've never, if they've never placed their faith in Jesus? Here's how. We, by virtue, are created in the image of God. And so we have interwoven in us this universal, moral, natural law, which I find quite encouraging. And here's why. If you are looking for opportunities to share your faith with people, isn't it awesome to know that you're not starting from scratch with them? Like you have this great opportunity to say, uh, hey, do you believe that murder is wrong? Do you believe that stealing is wrong? And you can kind of go through the list and their response most of the time would be yes. Now you have a great opportunity to start uh, sharing the gospel with them. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But we, we need to know that even though we have this universal natural law that's written on our hearts by way of virtue we need to know that god does not save the world through this natural law nor does he reconcile the world through good deeds or through the pursuit of of justice even though those are great things he does provide this public record of his eternal power of his divinity through the law that's written on our hearts and that's where this launch pad for us is so great because we can say, hey, man, God's already written this law by, by virtue of us being created in his image on your heart. What you need to know is that law, which we'll talk about in a few moments, will make you guilty before God. It reveals your guilt before God. It's a revealer of that, but there's hope in Christ. So we need to understand how important that is for us to, to grasp that there is a law, there's a, there's a purpose for the law, and that God has written that on our hearts. And as believers, we know that it condemns us. It makes us, it reveals that we are guilty before a holy, righteous, perfect God. So we look at our text here. Paul uses the example of Abraham to show that it is a matter of faith, not of works in the law, in order to, uh, to, to be made right before God. Verse 13, we see here the promise of Abraham and his offspring, uh, that they'd be heirs to the world, that it didn't come through the law. It came through righteousness by faith. You need to know that, just be reminded that when God declared Abraham righteous by faith, he did this before the Mosaic law was ever given. So there's no way that Abraham somehow earned his righteousness through merit. No, it's through faith. And Paul is pointing that out. Verse 14 says, for if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs of faith, it is null and the promise is void. He's just reiterating that if we think our adherence to the law is where we get this righteousness, then, then that's null and that's void. As long as we make works the method of achieving the blessing, then the promise will never, and the blessing of God will never be fulfilled. And the reference here to Abraham was the Abrahamic promise in the Old Covenant. You know this promise of God saying, hey, look at the stars, as numerous as the stars, so shall your offspring be. He also promised him the promised land, and he said that they're ruled by the, the law of God. And as we walk through the New Covenant, the fulfillment of all of that, the grand narrative of the Bible, we see that it was the seed of the seed of Abraham to where God brought his redemption story in Christ. And Jesus even points that out in, in the book of John. He's speaking to the unbelieving Pharisees, and he talks about how Abraham rejoiced in Jesus being the fulfillment. Well, Abraham died a long time ago. How did he know this? Because he knew and believed the promise of God that he was to br bring a redeemer who would reconcile all 
things. And so now God reigns in Christ and he reigns in the church through the, the Holy Spirit of God and he has written his law on our hearts. And so we see this promise ultimately fulfilled um, in the new covenant. So basically the promise that God made to Abraham was a promise that he carried on, not through the law, but through faith. And then verse 15 says, the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. So the only thing the law can do is reveal sin. The law cannot help a person avoid the wrath of God. The law in and of itself is not bad at all, but it reveals our badness. And because it reveals our badness, that reveals that we deserve the wrath of God. And the gift of God is eternal life. So the, if the wage of sin is death and it takes one sin, and the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now we need to know how to get to that latter part of the text that says the wages of sin, but here's the latter part, the gift of God is eternal life. That's what we need to understand. We understand our lostness through the law. It reveals that we are lost, and that's why in evangelism, uh, it really is a great resource for us to think in terms of, I want to help somebody know their lostness, because how can you be saved if you don't know you're lost? We need, we need to know our losses, and that's where uh, we look through the law to help us to get there. Jesus, for example, he transcends the law, um, and, and here's what he does. He says, you know, the law says, do not commit adultery, but I say unto you, if you have a lust in your heart, it's as if you've done that. It's transcending the law. Uh, the same with murderous intent. Uh, you know, the law says, do not murder, but if you've had murderous intent in your heart, this anger in your heart, it's as if you have. What, what does that mean? Well, if we're talking to someone and we start walking through those types of things with them, they're going to say, well, I'm guilty. What does that mean? Oh, it's bad. It means that you deserve the wrath of God because God is holy and God being holy cannot look upon sin and your sin has separated you from God and that's what you deserve. The law can't get you there. You've already broken it. You're guilty. But God, the gift of God is eternal life, man. And God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. This is why religious folks need to be really, really careful. And I mean that in terms of people who are hanging their hat on their own works, their own good deeds, their own religious duties, instead of placing faith in Christ, because that will damn you to hell every time if you are trusting in who you are and not trusting in the finished work of Christ. He is sufficient, he is supreme, and God sent him so that we could be rescued from our sin. Paul is making this point. He's saying the law cannot cause you to avoid the wrath of God. Only Christ can. So uh, verse 16 here says, that is why it depends on faith. Yes and amen. We must have faith in God in order that the promise may rest on grace. That's an important point we're going to talk about in just a moment. And be guaranteed to all of his offspring, not only to the adherent to the law, again, that's the Jewish believers, but also to the one who share faith with Abraham. That's anyone who places their faith in Christ, regardless of birthright, nationality, ethnicity, regardless of where you come from. If you place your faith in Christ, man, you are sons and daughters of God. And, and that's the fulfillment of this Abrahamic promise that was given years and years and years ago. As we, as we unpack what this means, it is through faith, but this faith, amen, we are only able to have it by the grace of God. This is a critical point 
for us to understand. For if it were not for God's grace providing a way for our salvation, even our faith would be considered a work. Faith is not simply another work that we do. We need the grace of God. The power of our salvation, the power of our justification, it comes by God's grace. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Come on, somebody. This is good news. I think of the old hymn, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sin. I'm a great sinner, but God's grace is greater than my sin. The law reveals that I'm a sinner, and God's grace reveals that uh, not too great of a sinner that his grace can't reach me. I'm grateful to God for his grace. By grace, through faith, uh, is for all. Again, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you come from. You don't have to have a certain heritage in order to uh, receive that. No, uh, you are able to place your faith in Christ by his grace. And when you do, you are his son or you are his daughter. So true inheritors of the promises are those who believe in Jesus. Not nationality, not birthright, but faith in Christ. You ready for the last verse? Come on, y'all good? All right, listen, I know this is kind of our lower service. The first two are really full, and then, like, this one's kind of lower. But we, we, we can be like my old football coach used to say. Come from a really small school. He used to tell us, y'all are small, but you're slow. You know what I'm saying? So anyway. <laughs> and we were just like, we got fired up about that. We didn't, we didn't know. We didn't know he was cutting us. But in here, we're small, but, man, we're excited, right? Like, we truly are. We're ready to be here. We're excited. It's good stuff. Here we go. Last, uh, last verse. It says, as it is written, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believes, speaking of Abraham, uh, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. So the object, what we see here, it says, in whom he believed. Abraham believed in who? God. The object of Abraham's faith was God. This is so important because sometimes we have misplaced faith. The object of our faith is headed in the wrong direction i remember about the second year of of my wife and i being married we went rollerblading and uh and i hadn't done a lot of rollerblading but i was super confident in uh, my athletic ability and so we are rollerblading i feel like i'm doing really good man I, I start like turning in my mind like the ice skaters doing the olympics man i'm doing like these spin arounds i'm looking really good and so i decided to like show out because i want my wife to know how awesome i am and I do this one spin, and I fell harder than I've ever fallen in my life. And I've fallen a lot, and I fell harder than I've ever fallen in my life. I'm bruised up, scraped up. But have you ever been hurt so bad, but you were so embarrassed that you jumped up and pretended like everything was cool? That's what I did. I jumped up and acted like I wasn't hurt and, like, tried to just brush it off. And I expect my wife fully to, like, run to me and embrace me and <clears throat> care for me. She's peeled over, dying, laughing, right, <laughs> at, at my, my failure. But the object of my faith in my athletic athletic ability was obviously misplaced and oftentimes when it comes to life we misplace the object of our faith we will believe in our own goodness in order to be right with God or, or we'll believe if my bank account is good that's the object of my security I'm fine or if my children will be successful that's the object of my success and I, I feel good or my job title matters so much if I have the right job title the object of that is good for me or if I just have enough church attendance I'll feel like I'm right with God that's the object of my faith is 
church attendance, or the object of my faith may be my own spiritual disciplines. If I do it enough throughout the day and check enough hours off, then I'm certainly right with God. What we need to know is the object of our faith must be Christ alone. It's in him that we hope. And, and, and this is the point that Paul is making is Abraham's object is, is, is God. That's the object of his faith. Now, now, Abraham's not elevated because of this monstrous faith that he exhibits. Even though he was a great man of faith, that's not why he's highlighted. He's highlighted because the glory and all of it is seen in God, not Abraham. The glory and all of it is seen in how God can move, how God can work. And here are two cases in point that Paul kind of points out in the latter part of this text first of all he said abraham knew that god gives life to the dead he believed in god's resurrection power even though at that point in his, in, in in humanity uh, we've seen no resurrections but abraham believed in god's resurrection power so much so that when god asked abraham uh, to sacrifice his son isaac if you know the know the story you know how this unfolds abraham believed that god had a purpose in this and the purpose was seen as a typology as a picture of the ultimately christ to come in that god provided the perfect ram to be the replacement for abraham's son so he saw this. He saw that God gives life to the dead. He also saw that God calls into existence the things that are not yet, the things that do not exist. He creates ex nihilo, which is he creates something out of nothing. Do you remember when God told Sarah that in Abraham that they were going to have a child? And she was old, man. And he was old, man. And Sarah laughed. She's like, yeah, yeah, right. She's like 90 when she has Isaac. Abraham's like 100 when he's born, when Isaac is born. Do you think that he experienced that this God can call into existence the things that do not exist? Yeah, he did. He believed in the promises and the truth of who God is, and we need to know that we do not serve a little God. We serve a great God who can meet us in whatever it is that we're going through in our, our deepest time of need. God can meet us there why we serve a great god man so i don't know what you're walking through i don't know what your struggles are today but i would say this to you you are not saved by your own merits you cannot be made right before god by the things that you accomplish you also need to know and i need to say this to you today you, know, you serve a great god if you're a believer here today he's a great god you serve a great god and i know the mountain looks really big in front of you but god will meet you there if you would only trust in him, may, may he be the object of your faith. You may not get the answer that you want or that you think you need, but he will be with you. You can trust in him. Why? He is a great God. Where is the object of your faith today? So whatever it is that you're going through, surrender that to him and know that he is a mighty God. If you're here and you've never placed your faith in your life, life in Jesus, and I would just say this to you, you cannot get there by attending church enough. You cannot get there by trying to do good works. No, you must place your trust in Christ alone. I'm so confident in this God that, that I serve that, man, I, I can tell you today, I know that he is able. He is able to meet you right where you are, and he is able to save you if you would only place your faith in him. You may not understand what all of that means, but we would love to talk to you more about what that means. And so if you would want to talk to us after the service or uh, contact us throughout the week, we would love nothing more than to be able to walk with you and talk to you about how you can begin that relationship with Jesus. For every believer in this room, 
hey, we should walk out of here just fired up, knowing that we cannot earn our righteousness, but God has clothed us with the righteousness of Jesus through faith in him. So trust in him today, church, and know that he is enough. We're going to sing a song, Build My Life, and may that be our prayer today. May God cause us to build our life on his firm foundation. May we sing it like never before, knowing that he is worthy of it all. Believe God for great things because I'm doing that here at our church. I'm believing God for great things. I don't know what the future looks like for us, but I know that we have droves of people moving to our community. We ain't about the show. We're not trying to be the best church in town in terms of that. We want to reach our community for Christ so that they can see, hey, works of the law won't get you there, but Christ Christ has made a way for your sins to be atoned for, and you can have a relationship with him. So believe in this great God and pray for God to give us opportunities to share the good news of the gospel, and we can use the law to help us to see that we uh, that, that, that there's lost humanity out there, but that there is hope, and hope has a name, and hope is found in Christ alone. So uh, stand together, let's pray as we prepare our, ourselves to sing this last song. God, thank you for your mercy, your grace, your kindness that's been displayed to us. And Father, as we sing this last song today, God, may it be our prayer, and God, may, uh, may our hearts be aligned with yours. God, thank you in advance for all you're going to do this week in and through our lives. May you receive all the glory for it. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen and amen.